on the record on News Talk. This is News Talks on the record with me, Kieran Cudahy, and time now for more hidden histories. It's a familiar story because it's one lived and cherished by Americans of all backgrounds. It's integral to our national identity. It's who we are, a nation of immigrants from all around the world. When we strove to blot out the stain of slavery and advance the rights of man, we found common cause with your struggles against oppression. Frederick Douglass, an escaped slave, and our great abolitionist forged an unlikely friendship right here in Dublin with your great liberator, Daniel O'Connell. His time here, Frederick Douglass said, defined him not as a color, but as a man. And it strengthened the nonviolent campaign he would return home to wage. We remember in the words made famous by one of your greatest poets that in dreams begin responsibility. This is a nation that met that responsibility by choosing, like your ancestors did, to keep alight the, the flame of knowledge, invest in a world-class education for your young people. And today, Ireland's youth and those who've come back to build a new Ireland are now among the best educated, most entrepreneurial in the world. And I see those young people here today, and I know that Ireland will succeed. There's no prizes for guessing who that was. Barack Obama there talking about Frederick Douglass. I'd miss him. You'd miss him. <laughs> Similarly distinguished voice, Donald Fallon, <laughs> with me in studio. Look, the reason we played that is this year, 2018, is the bicentenary of the birth of Frederick Douglass. Of course, the influential abolitionist. He was an anti-slavery campaigner uh, from the States, born in 1818. Uh, but he became uh, hugely significant on this side of the pond as well. He arrived mm. here in 1845. The country was on the brink of famine. And he wrote this great line about Ireland. Instead of the bright blue sky of America and covered with the soft grey fog of the Emerald <laughs> Isle. That could have been written in the height of the summer. Donald, uh, the... Ireland of 1845 and Ireland actually in slavery it's it's a yeah. controversial topic it is it? and it's been I suppose it's been back in the media in recent years there's been an awful lot of work done on this and I have to tip my hat towards uh, Liam Hogan uh, down in Limerick he's a Limerick based uh, historian and librarian he's done an awful lot on, on this kind of the great complex question of Irish slavery where are Irish slaves you know indentured servitude what's the difference all of that and you know while there's been an awful lot written on, on Irish slavery uh, certainly what's undeniable is that there's a remarkable story of anti-slavery activism in Ireland and the visit of Frederick Douglass I think this is a great story I think it's it's just it's something very feel good about this you know Douglass and O'Connell the way they came together uh, it's part of that tale but the story of kind of Irish debates around slavery doesn't begin or end with Frederick Douglass. I mean, I was amazed to discover that back in the 1790s, hmm. one of the issues that was really pushed by the, the United Irishmen was anti-slavery politics. I mean, the slave trade was a massive debate, in particular in Belfast, which was a bustling port, and very prominent United Irishmen, Henry Joy McCracken, Thomas Russell, I mean, they organised against the involvement of any Belfast merchants in the global slave trade. Basically, the United Irishmen kept Belfast slavery free. So these were Republicans in the kind of finest and the truest sense of the of the word. You know, they were internationalists in their outlook and aspirations. Uh, and Frederick Douglass, to bring it back to him as well, like this bicentenary, he is going to be honoured this year in the States. Yes, yeah, and I mean, all year in America, this is a phenomenally important anniversary. I'm sure Donald Trump will really smoothly, <laughs> no faux pas, won't put his foot in it. 
<laughs> I'd like to thank Frederick. Where is he? Frederick, can you stand up? <laughs> well, Donald, Donald Trump thinks Frederick Douglass is still walking around. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not. We could definitely deal with him today. And he is being rightly honoured right across America. But I think we, we here too should remember him in some way because he was a great friend of the cause of Ireland and he was greatly influenced and very moved, I think, by his time here. I mean, he famously proclaimed that he didn't think he could pity white people until he'd seen the conditions for the poor in Ireland. Now, we mentioned his work, say, as an abolitionist, anti-slavery. I just mentioned it at the top. But he, he was born a slave, wasn't he? And that's important. That, has, that point has to be made that Douglas, uh, he's not a free man, you know, in, in a sense. He's an escaped slave, which is a very, very different thing. And he was born into slavery. Uh, in Maryland in, in 1818. And as a, as a man in his early 20s, he made a run for it, basically. He got out of there uh, in September 1838. And he es- successfully escapes by boarding a train. And he writes about, it's just beautiful, his memoir. He writes about arriving in New York City. He says, I've often been asked how I felt when first I found myself on free soil, and my readers may share the same curiosity, there's scarcely anything in my experience about which I could not give a more satisfactory answer. A new world opened up before me. If life is more than breath and the quick round of blood, I lived more in one day than in a year of my slave life. It was a time of joyous excitement, which words can but tamely describe. So just incredible. And he said, I felt as one might feel upon escape from a den of hungry lions. Ah, it's, it's brilliant. It's an absolute great description. And when he got there then, he wasn't long getting stuck into politics. No, and it was very brave for, for an escaped slave because, I mean, this man, his owner, and it's an awful thing to say, his owner, you know, someone believed that Douglas was their property and he'd escaped and they, want, they wanted him back. So if you're an escaped slave, throwing yourself into public life is a very bold thing to do. You know, you're gone missing, you're gone AWOL. But he throws himself into abolitionist politics from the very beginning. And he learns everything he knows from a man called William Lloyd Garrison, who's this very high-profile advocate for the abolition of slavery. And he produces a newspaper called The Liberator. Daniel O'Connell's nickname in Ireland is The Liberator. Uh, And Douglas is probably best remembered for the autobiography that he writes soon after escaping, Narrative of a Runaway Slave. And when the book is published, he goes on this amazing journey to spread its message you know, in Ireland and the United Kingdom on a speaking tour. And with all these threats against him, I think, with the fact his so-called owner was seeking him, getting out of the United States was a, a, a very, very wise move. But whatever about Britain, and there was a very sizable anti-slavery movement in Britain. Yeah. Whatever about Britain, I think it was Ireland and the poverty of Ireland that had an incredible impact on this man. Oh, what about how he was received? I can't imagine there was many uh, black people around Ireland in the yeah, 1840s. Yeah, well, I suppose maybe there were because Dublin was a port, Belfast was a port. I mean, the world yeah, was coming I guess so, through. Yeah. And we do think about migrants like they're, in, like they're a new thing. I mean, there were always there were French Huguenots in Dublin going back in the 18th century. We're on Diggs Lane at the moment. You know, there are always people coming and going, uh, but not many. Not, you know, not like today. Like, I think something like 12% of the population is migrant-born today. Certainly, Douglas would have cut an unusual shape in the Ireland of his day. And he encounters some racism uh, on his travels. Uh, on the boat, for example, he's invited to speak before the passengers. Uh, and some basically just interrupt him. They refuse to listen. They mock him. And there's racist slurs. But when he gets to Ireland and embarks on this speaking tour, he's very moved by, by Cork and the welcome in Cork. And the way he writes about Corkonians, he says, amongst them all, I saw no one that seemed to be shocked or disturbed at my dark presence no one seemed to feel himself contaminated by contact with me Now speaking of Corkonians I was in college down there Father Matthew looms large in the history of the culture and, and they, they, they bumped into each other I watched someone down in, I watched students down in Cork drinking cans at the Father Matthew statue <laughs> I don't think they realised the great irony of what they were no, doing no. and how horrified Father Matthew would be Father Matthew is of course the temperance priest uh, Ireland sober is Ireland free that was the battle cry and Douglas is very moved by his campaign and in fact when Douglas is in Ireland 
he takes the pledge from Father Matthew himself and he writes that I now reckon myself with the light the fifth of the last five of Father Matthew's 5,487,495 temperance children. Matthew had convinced the vast majority, more than half of the Irish public, to give up drink forever. I don't think he succeeded in the end, but Douglas was greatly, greatly honoured to meet the father of the temperance movement. So he's impressed by Cork and Corkonians. What about the Dubs? Dublin, he thinks very little of Dublin. I mean, he arrives in Dublin and it's a city in decline. And I mean, Dublin was once the second city of the British Empire. By the 19th century, it's a city that is just in a horrific state. And, and Douglas, he says, I spent nearly six weeks in Dublin and the scenes I there witnessed were such as to make me blush and hang my head to think myself a man. I speak truly when I say I dreaded to go out of the house. The streets were almost literally alive with beggars displaying the greatest wretchedness, some of them mere stumps of men, without feet, without hands, without legs, without arms, and others still more horribly deformed. During my stay in Dublin, I took occasion to visit the huts of the poor in its vicinity, and of all the places to witness human misery, ignorance, degradation, filth, and wretchedness, an Irish hut is preeminent. It seems to be constructed to promote the very reverse of everything like domestic comfort. You know, tell us how you really feel, Frederick. Douglas. Yeah, wretchedness. That's exactly what. <laughs> Yeah. it sounds like, doesn't it? Not the best TripAdvisor review Dublin's uh, ever received. And what about if uh, they were all, uh, you know, abstemious down in Cork? What were they like up in Dublin? The drink just shocks Douglas. I mean, Dub- Dublin was a city that went into the 19th century with 55 breweries and 27 distilleries. The water was basically undrinkable. Everyone seems to have wandered around in a semi-drunken state. And, and Douglas, things are a little bit better by the 1840s. There is a clean water supply at last. But Douglas is just shocked by the, the, just the, the, the amount of drunk people that you see on the streets of Dublin. He says, the immediate and the main cause of the extreme poverty in the beggars in Ireland is intemperance. This may be seen in the fact that most beggars drink whiskey. Drunkenness is rife in Ireland. The temperance cause has done much and is doing much, but there's much more to do and comparatively few people to do it. So he bumped into Father Matthew at this stage. Uh, he also then, as we've mentioned, had a relationship with the Liberator himself. Which is beautiful. That story is fantastic. And I think the reason so many people here have heard a little bit about that story is what we heard at the beginning. When Barack Obama was here, mm. when he gave that speech on, on College Green. Uh, he really honed in on this. And I, I remember watching that speech. I thought it began uh, very Carol's gift shop. You know, he said, I'm Barack Obama. I've come to find the long lost apostrophe in the name Obama. And I kind of cringed and went, oh, here we go. You know, Paddy Wackery. But in fairness to Obama, he very quickly got into some serious history. And he talked about this relationship between Douglas and O'Connell. And we remember O'Connell here, you know, as the, the liberator or the emancipator, mm. the man who won Catholic emancipation. But all over the world, Daniel O'Connell was a known political campaigner. And the reason he was primarily known was that he was a very outspoken critic of, of slavery. In fact, when Daniel O'Connell went, goes to America, to raise financial support for his cause in Ireland. He refuses to take financial donations from people that are slave owners and even refuses to shake their hands. Uh, and Douglas says, you know, I feel grateful to him for his voice has made American slavery shake to its centre. So he's this remarkably important figure to black America, Daniel O'Connell, in his own lifetime. And Douglas just can't believe that he's in his company. You know, he says, I've heard many speakers in the last four years, speakers of the first order, but I confess I've never heard one by whom I was more completely captivated than by Mr. O'Connell. O'Connell. Did they ever share a stage? They share one platform in Dublin in September 1845 and O'Connell brilliantly christens Douglas the black Daniel O'Connell which <laughs> says something about the ego of Daniel O'Connell yeah, yeah. to describe someone as, as the black version of yourself but that name definitely stuck you know the black Daniel O'Connell uh, and beyond Dublin he spoke in other places too you find monuments around the country in Cork and Limerick there's a mural uh, on the Falls Road in Belfast where Douglas spoke and he told the crowd in Belfast that slavery is a poor school for acquiring moral religious or intellectual improvement. He went back home eventually after this great book tour. He did. He returned to America and he just threw himself back into the anti-slavery cause. He edited a great newspaper called The North Star and he 
publicly lambasted the man who had owned him as former owner. He bought his freedom uh, in the end. And he remained this great campaigner for equality in US society in the subsequent decades, uh, right through to brutal, and it was brutal, civil war and afterwards. And what I think is important about Douglas is that he didn't just talk about black people and black people's rights. You know, he spoke about other issues like gender equality, all the things that he thought would make America a better society. And he died in 1895, 50 years on from his visit to Ireland. Yeah, and it's amazing, like they were talking about, 200 years later, uh, uh, 200 years on from his birth, and that link with Daniel O'Connell is still remembered and celebrated. That's beautiful. I mean, when the, the Douglas family were here uh, in 2011, just before I think Obama was here, and they visited the Daniel O'Connell home, I mean, I think it's great that this story has never been forgotten. And there is the Frederick Douglass Daniel O'Connell Project, uh, which commemorates the link between these men. There's a beautiful statue of Frederick Douglass that's been commissioned. I think it's in DCU at the moment, uh, on the north side of Dublin. I'd love to see a statue of Frederick Douglass on the street of Dublin. I can think of nowhere better to put it, actually, than on O'Connell Street. I think that's where Douglas should be. All right, well, you heard it here first. We just, what, GEA Sunday we tried to get going a couple <laughs> and, of weeks ago. I'm glad, and, to and say, I'm glad to say, Gaelic Sunday, uh, which I pro- promoted Sunday. last week, people got in touch, people got in touch from various GAA clubs and said, yeah, we're going to, well, let's do All something. All right, Gaelic Sunday. We'll, we'll keep the campaign going. <laughs> and now the other campaign, get the statue of Frederick Douglas onto O'Connell Street. My thanks to Donald Fallon, author of the Community Blog. Book Volume 2 is out now. On the record. On the record. On News Talk.